BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited for today's episode with Sam. I really think you're going to walk away from this episode loving your body and therefore having a healthy body image when it comes to dating, whether you're in a relationship already or single. And I think that that is hopefully the biggest takeaway from the episode today that you have And before we get into it, I'm very excited about this. I didn't know if I was going to make this like a dedicated episode or just the solo. We're going to start with just the solo. And like, if it gets expansive, we can dedicate a whole episode to this. But we're going to talk about the rules for new relationships. This, I think, is helpful for anyone in any sort of relationship, even if you've been married for years because it's important to think about the beginning of your relationship and things that you did or didn't do and how they're affecting a relationship now. It's also great for single people to think about the things that they want to implement when they get into a new relationship. And of course, it's good for people in new relationships because this applies directly to you. So I'm going to start with like my tried and true rules. And then I'm going to tell you some of the things that you had submitted and my opinions on them. So the first one, and this is so important, is to state your expectations on both sides. So in an earlier episode, I think it was, I don't know, maybe episode like 12 or 20, we spoke with a man named Jared Matthew Weiss, and he said, instead of saying, what are we, when you start to define something, you say, here's what I expect from you, and here's you know, what you can expect from me. And that's the conversation that you should have. Hopefully you've defined things by this time. And then you saying those things isn't awkward because they owe you nothing. So make sure you have this conversation kind of like about what you expect a significant other to be like in your life. So for example, if you're someone that really, really values your alone time, this is when you set that expectation of, hey, I'm not ever going to be that kind of person who has a sleepover night every night because I need to be alone sometimes. Or if you feel uncomfortable by a partner who does that, then that's when you say that. It's also when you say things like, you know, this is, these are things that make me uncomfortable. Or when we have sex, it makes, means a lot to me when you spend the night that night, because, you know, sex is something that's very vulnerable for me. And even though we're in a committed relationship, I still need that 
you know, commitment from you to spend the night afterwards, it doesn't make me feel good if you don't, or even just as simple as like, what's your relationship like with your exes? And this is what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with. And what I'm not comfortable with is you having a relationship with your exes. So, you know, or even if it's just like, they have a very close girlfriend who clearly has a crush on them or a very close guy friend who feels the same way. Like have those conversations because if you don't have them in the beginning, they're going to be harder to have in the end. And this is just like along the lines of like, bring up things that bother you immediately to set that precedent of like open communication with this person, because that is the most important thing in a relationship. Number two, maintain your independence. I mean, maybe this should be number one because it is so goddamn important. Like if you are not maintaining your independence in a new relationship, you are the worst person to be in a relationship with. And to be honest, you're going to give your partner the ick like immediately. You need to be continuing to make your plans with friends, continuing to prioritize your career you shouldn't be spending every night with them. You should certainly not share locations. I think it's absurd when people do that, especially in a new relationship. And you don't need to start to leave like a mountain of overnight stuff at their place right away. Like leave a toothbrush and just, you know, ease into the rest naturally. But that's such like an ick when you get into a relationship and then immediately like the girl or the guy brings over like a bunch of things. It's like, no, no, no. This is a process. It's not just like, okay, you're my boyfriend and you can just bring all your video games over. Like, no, not happening. I also think it's important to spend time equally at both of your places, because if not, then the imbalance starts to form. And obviously there are exceptions. Like if one person has three roommates and the other person lives alone, you want to hang out at the person who lives alone. But if it's the same kind of dynamic at both places, try to spend time equally because it's better that way. If anything, more time at the girl's place than the guy's place, because, you know, you know. Let the guy say, I love you first. This is in a normal rules. Like this is in the rules, which I've talked about many times, but I just have to repeat it, even though it goes without saying. And I don't think that anyone should be farting before I love you. It's just like, no, after I love you, it kind of is like, you know, fair game to do whatever, but no farting before then. It's just not cute. It's not sexy and it's just not hot. Set them up to win. One of my favorite rules. I know I'm not counting at this point. I think this is number four. Um, also, if you're on our Patreon, patreon.com slash we met at Acme, I will put a written version of all of these rules up so you can continue to go back and look at it. But set them up to win. When it comes to friends and family, make sure they're well-versed on the topics to bring up and not to bring up. Like, for example, if you go to dinner and like you're with another couple and it's there, it's your significant other's friends and like they've been trying to get pregnant for three months, like don't go in there and be like, so are you guys ever going to have kids? You know, make sure that you your partner tells you the deal so you don't show up looking like an idiot. Also, like tell them what to bring when visiting your parents, you know, be like my mom is actually allergic to peanut butter, but she loves uh, pound cake. So if you want to bring a pound cake, whatever it is, right? don't get boyfriend sickness. I feel like I took this term from Tinks. Tinks, if you're listening, I love you. I know that people do get it. And I, if you get the disease and you get, you get the bite and there's nothing you can do, then by all means be sick. 
But I do feel like this kind of goes along with the rules. Like if you get this boyfriend sickness, you kind of do forget your independence. You do forget you have a career. You do forget you have friends and it can be obvious. And then it just hurts more when you break up. Not saying that you're always going to break up, but if you break up, it will hurt more. So try to vaccinate yourself from boyfriend sickness and just be, you know, somebody who doesn't change when you have a boyfriend. Obviously easier said than done, but you know, just try. This is another rule that I love. He, so we're talking about hetero relationships in this circumstance. The man should be initiating more texts than the woman. Still, I know you're like, but we're dating. We've crossed the line. We're out of the woods. Doesn't matter. I am a big fan of like, you know, if Steven and I, when we were boyfriend, girlfriend had a sleepover and then he went to work the next day and I stayed home because I was working from home or whatever. I did whatever. I'm not sending the first text the next day. Like he is going to pine for me and miss me deeply. And I'm going to know that because he then texted me the next day. I think it's just not like, I don't even think it's game playing. It's just like not hot or fun for the girl to send the next text, like the text the next day being like, Hey, um, like how's your day going? Like, it's like, you just saw them, let him miss you and come to you. And just like, let him initiate more texts in general. It doesn't mean you have to hold back when you have a text idea to him or something you want to say, but make sure you're not blowing him up and he's giving you nothing back, you know? Cause that's just, that's not, that's not a good idea. Okay. So here are your rules that you had submitted and I'll tell you my thoughts. This one's quite interesting. This person said, you can end any weekend night with your significant other, but don't start both with them. Interesting. I'm maybe in the beginning, beginning. I'm not like such a stickler for this. I do feel like weekends are for your significant other for the most part in terms of like sleepover time. I don't have a problem with starting your days with them, but I I guess guess it's hard for me to remember the beginning, beginning. Yeah, this one's fine with me. You don't need to start both days with them. But like as you get closer and you date for longer, you will. Don't overshare complaints with friends because they will never forget them. Okay, this is so true. So true. Like I remember I shared something in the beginning of my relationship with Steven with a friend and it was something that was true at the moment, but then it changed and became not true anymore. But like I couldn't call her up and be like, hey, actually remember that thing I told you? about Steven, like that's actually not true anymore. And you know what I mean? Because it just would have sounded like a lie. So watch your mouth when it comes to talking about this person who might very well be your future. Um, You know, especially when it comes to like sex stuff and details like that, because they're going to know forever. Make sure he's still taking you out on dates. Of course. I mean, if it's not like you become boyfriend and girlfriend and then they just check out that's a huge red flag. But at the same time, you as a woman dating a man, you're allowed to plan dates too. You have gotten over the hurdle. You have gotten over the hump and you can plan dates as well. It's not still on him to make every date. He hopefully made every date when he was courting you, which is at least seven dates, at least probably 10 or more. And so if you, you know, suggest the date, if you find the new hot restaurant, like that's fine too. You have a Resi account as well. This I love. I wish I had written this on my own. Meet his friends and be nice and friendly, but don't insert yourself into his life too full on. Agree with this and same vice versa. 
I think that it's so cringe when all of a sudden like you're the girlfriend's coming on like the guys dinners and stuff like that shouldn't happen first of all ever, but it certainly shouldn't happen in a new relationship. Like er, you did not earn your spot in the guy crew and vice versa. The new boyfriend does not get to come to the girls dinner. And I've made that mistake too in the past. And I think that's basically it. That's, that's the gist. And I hope that that was enough rules, enough guidelines. And I'm really excited for you to hear this episode with Sam. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Sam Previtt from Find Food Freedom. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to meet you in real life. It's so nice to meet you. It's so funny on social media these days, you just feel like you know everyone that you follow. Like it's just, I mean, unless someone's like heavily, heavily filtered, which is like- Yes, which happens And not okay. Yeah, yeah. Last night I went to dinner with some friends and my cousins are like, oh, what podcast are you going on tomorrow? And I was like, we met at Acme. They're like, shut up. We (laughs) love Lindsay. Oh, that's so cute. I'll tell her tomorrow. I love that. You're loved. What is your favorite romantic gesture? Ooh, this is gonna sound so lame. But as a mama, new mama, I love like when my husband cleans the house, that doesn't sound like a romantic gesture, but I'm like, oh my gosh, he really loves me. That's romantic to me. <laughs> like without kids, it's romantic. Yes, I feel that's true. it's well, it's like your lo- if your love language is acts of service. Yes, it then, must be. Yeah. Then that's that's hot. Yes. Like when he cleans the house, I'm like, oh my God, I've never loved you more. <laughs> yeah, totally. Backing up a little bit, how old are you and where are you from? So I'm 32 years old. And I was like, I feel like when people ask, where are you from? I currently reside in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, which is like near Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. But I grew up my whole life in Pittsburgh, PA. And then my husband and I were out here. We were in Hoboken for a bit before we moved down to Florida. Nice. And what is, I mean, you just kind of said it, but your current relationship status? I'm married. Married woman of almost... Gosh, it'll be six years in August. Wow, congratulations. That is definitely something to celebrate. Six years of marriage. It's amazing. And how did you get started with nutrition? Like, what is your kind of origin story? You're like, you know, like the Superman on the street story. (laughs) So I think like a lot. So I am a registered dietitian. A lot of dietitians go into the field because they are disordered or have like a funky relationship with food. And so I remember I went to college knowing I wanted to help people. So I thought maybe like nursing, maybe teaching. I didn't really know what a dietitian was, but I was on this like quest of how do I lose weight? And like, then I'll love myself and have the answer to life basically. And went through college extremely disordered, would restrict entire food groups. Also like binge drinking was very much part of my college experience, like most. And I graduated college. I ended up doing a nutrition degree with a minor in kinesiology, which is like the study of like fitness studies. So I'm also a personal trainer, side note. So I had this love for the human body and how what we put in it affects us so much and our relationship to food and movement. But yet I graduated college the most disordered. So I got this degree and I was, I felt like such an imposter because I was like, how can I be going off to eventually work with people and tell them how to be the healthiest version of themselves when I myself was so unhealthy? So fast forward a few years, I became a registered dietitian. You sit for a national board, you go through clinical rotations and all those things. 
And I still didn't have the magic answer. I was like, I hate my body. I have a very terrible relationship with food. And it wasn't until I was introduced to intuitive eating, which is what I now practice. So I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. And really the mission behind that is to learn how to trust your body again. And the purpose of it is not intentional weight loss. So it's learning how to really be attuned with inner sensations in your body and just really how to feel your most pleasant physically, mentally, emotionally. So I had a a lot of unlearning to do. I had a lot of learning to do. And now I've been working as an intuitive eating counselor and helping people heal their relationship with food and body for over four years now. And it's just been remarkable to to see that. So this, I just took this question all over the place, (laughs) but I feel like when people are like, how did you get started in nutrition? Like it started from such a disordered place and so lucky that it has developed into this like beautiful relationship now, but it was not always like that. Yeah. It's so on point that you said that about most dietitians or nutritionists were at one point disordered. Yes. And I feel like that's so important to note because there's just so much information out there. And it's so like much. everyone is doing these like infographics of like how to lose weight the healthy way or yeah. how to lose weight in 10 minutes or whatever or it anti-inflammatory is. Anti-inflammatory this. Exactly. Or now the Ozempic trends. And right. like it's just And it's just wild. like looking at it, it's so dangerous because it's like, is this person who technically has this like coaching degree or whatever license? Yes are they coming from a place of still being in their disorder? And like, who should I listen to? So many are like, as someone who works with people with eating disorder and chronic dieting, it's so easy to spot now. Like your red flag, green flag. We could do a whole like thing on that with dieting of just like, when you see something, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That that's not coming from a, a good place, unfortunately. Right. So how do you know the difference? Because all like we just see so much noise we see so many what i eat in a day we see all of this stuff sample meals like how do we know what is legit and what isn't it's a great question i think the easiest answer like the first thing that comes to mind if someone is coming from an authoritative place of like let me tell you how to eat or eat like me and you'll look like me like so the what night what i eat in a day videos they usually start with someone like lifting up their shirt and showcasing like a six-pack or an eight-pack If they're doing that, like red flag, (laughs) like, no, 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 we don't need to eat like anybody else. We're all so different and individualized. So anyone that's coming from an authoritative place of saying, you need to do this, right? You need to do this diet. You need to follow this meal plan. No, because I, I like to let people know that even as a dietitian and intuitive eating counselor, it's not my job to fix people. Like what I do is I sit with people, I hold space for them, I listen to them, I say, how can I help you? I help them trust their body again. And I think that's something that in diet culture, everything is external. We're trusting a calorie count, a macro range, a meal plan, a fast, a book, fucking Gwyneth Paltrow's IV diet, you know, whatever it is. So anything that's a green flag is how do you trust yourself again? and find someone who can help you do that. Yeah. People my age are doing things. Like I'm 32, people are buying houses, houses. And I'm like, 
what? Like, how are you doing that? But then I realized, thanks to our new partner, that you can build your credit and then it's a lot easier to buy a house. So if you haven't heard of Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it is the easiest way to build credit. You can build your credit scores safely with everyday purchases and on-time payments. So for example, like you're buying, you know, clothes, you could use this credit card. You should be using this credit card because it actually builds your credit for you. Plus there's no annual fee, interest, or credit check to get started. Okay. Now you're like, well, what are the benefits? I have a credit card already. Well, You get paid up to two days earlier with a qualifying direct deposit so you can access your money sooner from your employer. There's a fee-free overdraft with SpotMe, so an overdraft up to $200 without any fees, which is incredible, and no monthly fees, minimum balance or overdraft fees, which I just mentioned. You have access to 60,000 fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Plus, you can send and receive money through Chime, no matter what bank account they use, which is insane. So start building your credit up ASAP. Open a Chime checking account with at least $200 of qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com slash Acme. That's Chime.com slash Acme. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Stride Bank, NA member FDIC. Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. On-time payment history may have a positive impact on your credit score. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Check it out by going to chime.com slash Acme. But in trusting yourself, like so many things come up because you mentioned intuitive eating. But what if you want to lose weight? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, how can you do both? This is the million dollar question. So that's actually another great red flag that if you have someone that is promoting intuitive eating and intentional weight loss, run the other way. Because the purpose of intuitive eating is not intentional weight loss. And I think people struggle with that because they're like, well, then why would I do it? Because our entire fat phobic society tells us smaller is better, smaller is healthier, smaller, you'll be more loved and accepted. So we really need to come back to why do you want to lose weight? Like when someone tells me they want to lose weight, I don't judge them. I don't shame them. I'm not like, you're not allowed to do that. You have full body autonomy to do whatever you want, but why? And what's the answer that comes up? Because a lot of the times the two main answers we're going to get One, to better your health. I'm using heavy air quotes because we know that weight and health, those don't equal each other. Because if that were true, then that means that everybody that resided in a larger body would be very unhealthy and have all the diseases. And then anybody that resided in a straight sized or thin body wouldn't have any diseases, right? So if we genuinely want to improve our health, there's so many things that we can do uncoupled from intentionally changing the size of our body. So as an intuitive eating counselor, if somebody naturally loses weight through intuitive eating, we just see it as neutral. We come from a weight neutral perspective. And oftentimes people will 
lose weight during intuitive eating. Sometimes they maintain weight. Sometimes they gain weight. But we don't look at any of those as something we need to celebrate or shame or be mad about. And then that second reason I often find people want to lose weight is they think if I lose weight, I'll love myself. I'll be more confident. I'll get the guy. I'll get the girl. I'll get the partner. I'll get the job. And we know that body image doesn't work that way. Body image has everything to do with the brain and nothing to do with the physical body. And an example I like to give with this is if anyone has ever weight cycled, so like yo-yo dieting, right? We lose weight, we gain weight, we lose weight. I'll ask them, okay, when you were in that smaller body or when you were in a body that you felt is better than the one you have now, when you look back at a picture of yourself in that moment with that version of you, did you wake up and look in the mirror every day and say, I love myself. Like, this is perfect. I'm perfect the way I am. And 99.9% of the time people say, no, it was never good enough. And that's because we can't hate our way to happiness. We can't wake up every morning and look in the mirror and be like, if I just make my arms smaller, if I just shrink my tummy, if I just do this. And so a part of intuitive eating is learning how to accept your body, feel neutral about your body, because our body is the least important thing about us. Like it's it's the least interesting thing about us. We're so, so dense as humans. So coming back to your question, intuitive eating, the purpose of it is not intentional weight loss. And I think it's so hard for people to grasp because of the way that we define health and because of how fat phobic our society is. But why can it be okay to mm-hmm. want to lose weight? Like, yes, wh- so why question. does it have to be like, you're the devil? How dare you? You're yes. fat phobic if you want to lose weight. Why can't it just be simply because I gained weight mm-hmm. and my clothes don't fit me and I feel better yes. at the weight that I was before. Yeah. And it just like makes me happier. I don't think about it yeah. when I'm th- this weight that I usually am. But I'm thinking about it, let's say, right? Yeah. When I'm 10 pounds over or whatever it is, yeah. right? Like, why can't it be as simple as that? That's a great question. So I think it comes back to understanding that dieting is the number one predictor of eating disorder. We also know that dieting is the number one predictor of weight gain, which seems like a mind fuck when you think about it because it's like, hey, I go on diets or I diet as a human, right? People go on diets to lose weight. But then we know that through the research, two thirds of dieters will gain back more weight than they originally lose. So it's a really slippery slope. But also when people say that, like that's valid, right? If someone's like, I feel better in this body or I felt better, then again, I'm like that little kid who's always like, why? Why? Like, let's keep digging there. Yeah. Was it because you were moving your body in a way that you enjoyed? Was it because you were consuming more nutrient-dense foods and those make you feel pleasant? Was it because you were prioritizing sleep? Was it because you were going to therapy and managing your stress, right? And so, again, this comes back to that conversation of bettering our health. When we look at the determinants of health out of the World Health Organization, when it comes to what we eat, sleep, stress management, movement, all of these things we can work on uncoupled from changing our body. So going back to your question, it's just from a different paradigm, a different lens, because we know that when we focus on weight loss, it's a very slippery slope. It creates shame because it tells us, okay, the smaller body's 
a better body then when people are supposed to have different sized bodies and, and body diversity is a thing. But I want to also stress that if someone comes to me and they're like, yeah, 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 all that sounds great that you're talking about, but I don't give a fuck. I just want to lose weight. I'm not the person to help them. Right, it just, right. It's just coming from a completely different space. And that's okay too. Yeah. Like, and I want people to hear that as an intuitive eating professional. I don't shame people that want to intentionally lose weight because we live again in this fat phobic world that what happens when you lose weight Everyone says, oh, you look so good. Oh, what are you doing? Keep it up. Oh, my gosh. You know, you look amazing. Well, what if they're starving themselves? What if they're going through chemo? What if they have an eating disorder? So it's this hierarchy placed on a body size that I just don't align with anymore because I've seen so much harm with it. Yeah, it's so true about the like, you look amazing and all those comments. It's like, and but then at the same time, it's like, do you just not? tell somebody if you think they look a certain way it's so hard right it's because, so hard it's because it's like trained to do it right and it's also like I don't know let's say I saw my friend who like wasn't happy with her own body yes. and she looks in a way that I know that she would be happy with yes and that's let's say I said you look amazing and let's say she was like why you know so, then then what that's a great right? question so uh, we actually work on this in session with clients all the time is reframing compliments to come away from the body because and you may feel this way too like when you get a compliment from someone like you haven't seen a friend in a while and they're just like oh my god you look amazing and you're like thanks like but what if she said like Lindsay you light up the room when you come in or like your energy is so like infectious like that is the compliment Mm -hmm. and that can be true no matter what sized body we live in Right. You can think of probably 15 different people in your head right now that live in all different size bodies that you could say that compliment for. And so it's just reframing. And even if it meant so much to that person to lose weight, because, again, they might be on their own journey. I still do not at at this point in my career, in my life and the work that I've done, I do not acknowledge body size changes even if that person wanted it. Now, if they come to me outwardly and like, did you notice I lost weight like then I would say, you know, I don't acknowledge body size change because I loved you in the body that you were in before. I love you now. And your body's going to continue to change for the rest of your life because we're humans and our bodies yeah. change. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, because you did mention your struggle with disordered mm-hmm. eating, was your body then very different than your body today? Such a great question. So it's funny, I don't usually show this or talk about this on social because it can be perceived as she's promoting intentional weight loss. When I was in a very disordered state, I did reside in a larger body for myself. So what I mean by that is like I was X, I don't usually give like pound numbers for trigger warnings, but I was X amount of pounds heavier because I was binge eating, because I was binge drinking, right? because I was doing things that affected me in a certain way. As I became an intuitive eater, I unintentionally lost weight. That was never a focus for me. But as a professional, I do not promote that or do like a before and after, because what does that insinuate? That weight loss is the result. Mm -hmm. And I have many clients that I've worked with that don't lose weight. They actually need to gain weight to be healthier. So we don't, again, we don't want to celebrate something 
I don't know if you've ever seen Brittany Lancaster on TikTok. She's a fabulous creator that actually talks about her her body has visibly changed to her creators. She struggled with an eating disorder and she does a really beautiful way of addressing that and letting people know like, I'm not sick. I'm not falling back into restriction. I've taken up marathon running and my body's changing, but I'm still prioritizing my health. And so bodies are allowed to change is yeah. what I'm, I'm getting at, but it doesn't have to be the focus. Yeah. The question that came up the most was what are the first things that you can do if you're learning intuitive eating? Like you're just yes. like someone who's like, I have never intuitively ate. I eat at nine, I eat at 12 and I eat at six because that's when I think I'm supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. And I eat what's in front of me because it's there, you mm -hmm. know, like what are the first steps? Yeah. Well, I think really it comes down to why do you want to do intuitive eating? Like intuitive eating is just eating if diet culture didn't exist. So like some people are naturally intuitive eaters. Now it's very rare to find that nowadays with diet culture because most people can list at least like 10 diets they've done and they still follow these little like rules or things that they feel like they have to do or should do. But I invite people to get really curious about their relationship with food first. Do you feel guilt and shame when you're eating a specific food, a specific amount of food, do you have rules around food? Like if I, if we put like, let's say a piece of paper and wrote food rules on it and we did a little like flow chart or a little, you know, spider web, do you have rules around food? Where did these come from? So getting, before you even start the intuitive eating process, getting really honest with yourself of what is my relationship with food? Is it enhancing my life and bringing me joy and making me feel pleasant? Or is it actually really stressing me out and not adding any value to my life? And then from there, we can kind of see, okay, where do we, where do we need to go from here? That's really interesting. It's funny because I think about my own relationship mm -hmm. with food and I feel really lucky because I, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard to word it because yeah. like, it's, you know, just such a sensitive topic, but like, yeah. I come from a genetic pool where like we can eat and not feel uncomfortable in our bodies. Yeah. Like I hope that was worded correctly. Well, in a way I would say it and how we would say it in practice, yeah. you have thin privilege. You reside in a straight size body and no matter what you do, you're going to probably be around the same size. Yeah. And so just like that, there are people that reside in fat bodies. And when I say fat bodies, I mean it as a neutral descriptor, right? They mm -hmm. live in larger bodies and no matter what they do, they're going to be in a larger body. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It makes total it's, sense. That's yeah, it's true. And I, I forgot where I was going with I'm this. Sorry no, 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 you you're fine. That was really helpful. I'm just like, what am I saying? Oh yes. Okay. And what I'm saying is that I am obsessed with food, but not in a way that like is unhealthy. Yeah. I just love food. That's amazing. Like, I, when I go to like, when I, like I'm going to dinner tonight before a Broadway show, with Wait, my I'm family. going to a Broadway show tonight. Oh my God, Parade. Oh, I'm going to Latin. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> With your baby? No, my baby's not here. Oh, this is a mama's oh. trip. So one of my girlfriends from oh, Hoboken so is cute. coming over. I love that. Over. And we're going to a restaurant before. Yeah. And of course I looked up the menu on Monday because I'm so excited. That is a that is a green flag. Okay. Lindsay, I'm going to use your verbiage here. Like being excited about food green flag all okay, the way cool yeah like yeah. I get excited about my breakfast at yes. night and but it's funny because my husband never thinks about food like ever. also a green flag yeah yep. but it's so interesting like to have you know two people like that in a relationship like sometimes yeah. like if I don't put and I wonder what you think of people like this 
if I don't like put food in front of him, like he might not eat. Yeah. But it's not because he's trying to restrict. Exactly. Yes. So that also, again, green flag of when we have obsession with thoughts of food, calorie counts, meal plans, when is my next meal in the sense of like, what am I allowed to eat mm-hmm. kind of thing? That is a huge red flag of like, this is not normal. Because when we're consistently fed, we usually won't have obsession about food. People like your husband, it's very common. And so we even work with those kind of clients that it's like, okay, do we need reminders to eat? And again, that's not a bad thing. Again, he's not, it comes back to your intention behind your behaviors. Every listener to this podcast has a different relationship with food and a different intention. So for someone, right, let's use your husband's example, someone not eating a meal, their intention may be to try to shrink their body and eat the least amount of calories possible. That's disordered. Your husband, his intention is like, I forgot to eat. There's nothing disordered about that. Yeah. But we might need a little it bit of help. It might be insane. Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm, I'm like, oh, those people that just never think <laughs> right. about food. But yeah, those those aren't bad things. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been here for a while, you know that I love some good banter. I really do. I'm a sucker for it. And my favorite place to display banter is on a dating app. And that is why I'm obsessed with Hinge. Hinge is perfect for those who want to show off their wit and also want to meet the love of their life because so many people I know have. It's the dating app that's designed to be deleted because Hinge is the intentional dating app that actually works. Hinge is different. You can easily build a unique profile using their feature called Hinge Prompts. So for example, they'll have like an about me section, date vibes, my type, getting personal, and you just choose what shows your wit the best. So for example, you can say, you know, like I won't shut up about Love Island or you can say, well, that's not like that witty, but you get what I'm saying. You could say something like together we could be supportive of Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck as a couple, you know, because that's really important to support the same celebrity couples. Anyway, if you haven't tried Hinge yet and you're single, I have no idea what you're doing with your life because it's the only app that you should be on. And I really don't think that you need to be on all these different apps because you're oversaturating yourself and then people see you and they're like, oh, that's the girl that's on every app. Don't be that girl. Don't be that guy. So if you're looking for a meaningful relationship, download Hinge today, meet someone great, and then delete Hinge when it feels just right. Another thing that came up a ton, and I have struggled with this in relationships. So a few different ways of phrasing it. Somebody, these are other people's words. Somebody said how to not gain a relationship 15 when living together, how to listen to your own hunger cues versus someone else's. Mm -hmm. So I think this also goes to like even eating out with a friend. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm out to lunch with a friend, like I might have just had breakfast like an hour ago, but that was the time that worked for this friend. So let's say I get there and I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. but I feel like socially pressured yes. to eat with this person, but yes. I'm not hungry. So like yep. that situation. And then also I'm in a new relationship and, you know, my husband is six, four and has a totally different appetite yeah. than I do. But because we're in this new relationship, 
we're like doing everything together yeah. and like, you know, we're ordering Shake Shack together. Yeah. But like, maybe I don't want Shake Shack. Maybe yes. I'm like not someone that feels comfortable enough in my relationship yet to be like, I'm actually going to order sweet green. Like yep. you get Shake Shack. Yeah. And because I don't want to not be that like cool girl, yeah. you know, which we know doesn't exist anyway. Correct. So I would love to just like offer the reframe so I don't come off the wrong way of like, I don't think there's anything wrong with gaining weight in a relationship, but I understand the question of like, how do you prioritize yourself and your own hungry hunger? Let's use an example. Dana, your amazing sister-in-law was just here. We just went to lunch before this. She was texting me all these different places. Like, where do you want to go? And I was like, I actually had a pretty late night last night and I'm a little slow moving this morning. So I'm eating breakfast right now. While I'm getting ready. So wherever we go, I'm happy to go. I'm not going to eat because I'm, I'm just not hungry right now. Like I'm literally eating and I'm going to meet you in like 15 minutes. Right. So the old me would have never been able to do that because I'm a people pleaser and I feel like I need to performative eat, like show up and eat because it's the social thing. But now as an intuitive eater, I'm like, no, I'm eating right now. Sorry. Like, but I'm still going to show up and order a coffee or a Coke or a water and like connect with you because my purpose of coming to lunch is connection. Now, does that happen often? No, because usually like breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever timing of things that flow out, like I would love to be a part of the eating experience. But it's coming back to can you trust yourself and your cues first? I always like to say like my plate, my business. It doesn't matter what the fuck anyone else thinks about your decisions around food as long as you are comfortable and confident with them. Yeah. But that's really hard sometimes. It's really hard. So I'm thinking about this comparison. I'm curious what you think. Okay. So I'm sober. And mm -hmm. a lot of times when someone's newly getting sober, they're mm -hmm. nervous about going out to eat with someone and someone, you know, being like, why aren't you drinking? Yes. Things like that. And a lot of times we hear in sobriety, if somebody's noticing that you're not drinking, like the more they notice, the more mm -hmm. they comment on it, the more likely it is that they themselves have a problem with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Would you agree that if somebody's looking at your plate, if somebody's like, why aren't you finishing that? If somebody's like, why did you order that if you're only yeah. going to have a few bites or yeah. are you going to eat? that that is, again, more of a reflection of their relationship with food, similar yes. to the relationship with alcohol that I mentioned. Great question. Also, I'm like sober curious right now. So I didn't know that about you. And I'm like so excited to hear that. So it's a little different because food is encompassed of nutrients that we need to live and survive, right? Versus alcohol, we do not need. It's, you know, something yeah. we put in our body that's toxic and yeah. it doesn't usually have many health benefits at all. Again, no shame to people if they choose to drink, because I do too. But when we think about food, I want you to think about, yes, it is a reflection of their relationship to food. So if someone's making comments about your plate, it's because of how they relate to food. If we go back to my example with your wonderful sister-in-law, Dana Green, she has a great relationship with food. She's like, no worries. I'm just like so excited to see you. And like, like she's like, oh, you don't have room for 18 meals in a day when you're in New York. And I'm like, no, I wish because I'm meeting with all these people. And we carried on and had like great conversation. So I love that you brought that up because I often tell clients when people make comments about food or body, 
to you, whether it's about your food or your body, it's a direct reflection of their relationship with food or their relationship with self. And we can't live our lives trying to appease others, right? Or trying not to disappoint others because we'll always then disappoint ourselves in that process. Yeah, it's so true. But it's such a fine line because it's like, let's say you go to a girl's dinner Mm -hmm. and your friend who like does have a healthy relationship with food as far as you know, all of a sudden has like one bite Mm -hmm. the entire dinner. Like even if you're somebody that doesn't notice those things, something like that, for example, would be like, okay, what's going on here? Flag. Yeah. And so I think it comes back to that intention, right? Because if it, if she really is a good friend, then you can say, Lindsay, like, hey, I, I, I love you and care about you. So I just want to make sure like that you are eating. You're not purposely restricting. Like if you are, there's no judgment or shame here. And I would love to talk about it or hold space for you if that's something you want to talk about. Yeah. That's very different than why aren't you eating? Like you only took one bite. See right. like that difference. And so also the intention, like I gave the example of me with Dana where I was like eating breakfast right before we went. If I came to lunch with her and I was like, I'm actually intermittent fasting and I don't eat for 12 hours and I'm not allowed to eat. So sorry, like I can't eat right now. Very different intention of why you're choosing not to eat. Yeah, totally. What are your thoughts on meal timing? Like three big meals versus snacking versus Mm -hmm. like small meals. I have a feeling your answer is going to be like, whatever you're feeling. Mm -hmm. But what do you think? So definitely whatever you're feeling, because you probably have felt sometimes where there's days where you wake up and you're like, and maybe not you, because I know you said you love your food and you're always looking forward to it. But if you had like a late dinner with friends or something, you might wake up and you're like, I'm just like genuinely not that hungry right now. That's normal. So allowing yourself that unconditional permission to choose when you want to eat, what you want to eat, how much you want to eat. But with that being said, generally speaking, the body loves to be consistently fed and nourished. So we know that the human body, if we just look at the organs alone, takes about 1,300, a little over 1,300 calories per day just to keep the organs functioning. That doesn't give you any additional energy like for movement or anything. So you see all these 1,200 calorie diets that have like sparked over the years. That's the nutritional needs of a two-year-old. So it's important to recognize when we when we're looking at timing and frequency yes should you be consistently fed sure i tell people don't go really long periods of time without eating but we're also not robots and you live your life and have social events and different things so if you notice in a moment that you're like i'm actually not genuinely hungry right now then that's okay but i often find people are like well what does hunger feel like because we're so brainwashed to follow a plan a calorie count so again with intuitive eating we learn how to listen to our hunger cues, how to pay attention to what our body actually wants. Well, what does hunger feel like? It's a great question. So I'm going to turn it right back on you. How do you know when you're hungry? If you had to explain it to me, pretend that I am like a robot and I'm like, Lindsay, how do you feel hunger? How do you experience it? My, I would say my stomach and my brain at Mm -hmm. the same time Mm -hmm. are like food. Yeah, absolutely. Thoughts about food. Where's food? getting to food might be everyone describes it differently, right? Cause we all experience it differently too. could be like stomach pains or growling or like an emptiness feeling like a hollow feeling. 
could be irritability. Like hangry mm, is yeah. like a real thing. It's actually oh, yeah. a word in the dictionary, right? So you like, if maybe your husband's like, oh, like I'm running late and you're like, no, we need to get dinner like now. Oh, yeah. I'm that's, fucking hungry. That's how I know also. There you go, right? right? So these are things that when I will work with clients in the beginning, they don't even recognize that that's hunger. They think like maybe they're just more of an irritable person or they're anxious when it's like, no, if honey, if you were fed and nourished, you'd be like maybe a little more happy and chill. Right, right. So sometimes it's just learning what our hunger cues are and learning to, again, trust our body because diets have told us you're not allowed to eat at this time, right? You can only have this food. You can only have this calorie count. You can only... And then we don't listen to ourselves because we're putting all the emphasis on the external. Right. It's so true. It's like if if hangriness wasn't a thing, then like, why am I dancing while I'm eating? Like, why am I like singing? And like, yes. you know, like that it's just like instant hunger. It's so funny. I this morning I made myself eggs, bacon, avocado and fruit. Love that. Because I was just like, you know, that's kind of been like my go to breakfast recently. Mm -hmm. But bacon goes in and out. Like I'm mm -hmm. sometimes really wanting it and sometimes not, but yeah. I wanted it. And I was eating bacon. And I was just like, I am savoring every fucking part of this bacon. Like it is mm. so good. Love like bacon. when bacon's in your mouth, like I think it's, actually. Are you like a crispy bacon girl too? So or how do you like I it? I go back and forth. I like sometimes like a less well done. And then sometimes I like a crispy. It depends on the bacon type. Yes. Yeah. Love that. I'm, I'm a crispy bacon girl through and through. But I think it was, I, I, I do love crispy, but Stephen told me some quote once. I forgot what it's from, but it's like when bacon's in your mouth, who cares who's president or something like that. <laughs> and it's so true. Very true. It's so true. Okay. Another thing that came up was about so for women I'm not especially women period no pun intended mm -hmm. for your period okay when you are feeling bloated before and after mm -hmm. also when you are in the throes of your period like mm -hmm. intuitive eating it's confusing because mm -hmm. I feel like our body needs different things around that time mm -hmm this person is basically asking what to really do for that bloating if they mm -hmm. want to do something about it. I think normalize it. The female body is so, oh, so nuanced. There's so much complexity to it and it's normal for bloating to happen. And I understand that it's not fun, right? Just random fact of something that is along the lines of a woman's period. I've gone through three rounds of IVF. You want to talk about bloating if you ever retrieve your eggs. Holy shit. <laughs> but I think it's recognizing like, okay, there's something happening in my body. Can I be a neutral observer and kind of like come outside my body instead of being like, this is bad. I need to fix it. If we know this happens every month, can it be like, okay, how would I support a friend? Like if you came to me, you're like, I'm so bloated. If I'd be like, Lindsay, you really need to like fix that bloating situation. You'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with Sammy? <laughs> so can we reframe our self-talk during our period and be like, this sucks, but like I need to be compassionate towards myself. I need to eat the things that I'm craving. I need to take care of myself. I need to nourish myself. I need to hydrate. Of course, there's things that can make us feel more pleasant, but really my first like gut reaction to that question was, can we reframe the self-talk yeah. and just normalize that like as women, we're gonna be bloated. I meant to ask you, by the way, when's your birthday? January 21st. I'm an Aquarius. Oh my God, love. Will you tell us the story of your viral 
cream cheese bagel video. That is so funny. I was creating a TikTok like I do most days I work from home. And I was just like, woke up on a Saturday and I had a thought about how old versions of me and diet culture would be like, you're not allowed to have a bagel or like you need to scoop out the middle of your bagel. Like you're not allowed. So I was like, let's make a video. And I was like, this is a friendly reminder that if you want a bagel and cream cheese, eat a bagel and cream cheese. That was the moral of the story. And then it came to be that people were like, she doesn't have enough cream cheese on her bagel. And it was like this viral roast and debate about the right amount of cream cheese. Then New York and New Jersey really started heavily coming into my TikTok being like, you don't have enough cream cheese. You need to have cream cheese and like, you know, inches thick. So, and then people like comedians and people started stitching it. And I was like, I'm never going to escape this. That's so funny. um, It's, you know, it's funny because people that know me or know my message were like, you shouldn't be shaming her for how much cream cheese. Like she right. can choose her amount. Right. Um, but it's OK. It was, really it was all, in, all in good fun. Do you still get like any sort of hate when you're delivering your message of intuitive Every eating? Every day. From like, like, just what's an example of something that someone might say? Oh, gosh. Where do we start? I should have prepped some for you. Who gave you a degree? You're the reason America's fat. You're the reason people are unhealthy. How can you? But I want to be very clear about I hold a lot of privileges. Like I'm a straight, white, cisgendered, heterosexual, able-bodied woman. So I can come on the internet and say like, you have unconditional permission to eat. And people are like, yeah, girl, food freedom. Like that's the majority of the comments. But then I have colleagues that are very, very amazing at what they do that reside in a larger body that they'll say the exact same message as me. And they're the ones getting the true hate, discrimination, people telling them that they should kill themselves. And that, sorry, I just took like a very deep turn, but I I just wanted to make sure we address like my hate is never like discriminatory against me because I am deemed like normal or like what you should look like. Mm. So it's very different from people that are getting like true discrimination and oppression yeah. for the size of their body. Yeah. But I'm sure, do you get hate on the internet? Oh my God. Right? I feel like you're not doing something, you're doing something wrong if you're getting no hate, yeah. right? Another question that came up a lot, and I know that your like view is like, no one needs to lose weight. Mm-hmm. But this person wants to know like, you know, they want to feel better in their body, mm-hmm. but they can't mm-hmm. lose weight. They can't find the cues of hunger. They mm-hmm. have something like PCOS or mm-hmm. diabetes or something that has inhibited them mm-hmm. from getting in touch with if they're actually hungry, mm-hmm. if they, you know, whatever it is, then what? So I think we need to ask ourselves. So are you saying like, how do they lose weight? I'm sorry. Let me make like, sure I'm how the can question. they intuitively eat when their body's telling them all the time that they're hungry? How are they supposed to question. trust their intuition when it's untrustworthy? So there's a lot of layers to this question that we could unpack. But I think one of the things I would look at is, first of all, what's their relationship with food? So, for example, like I have many clients that have medical diseases and conditions because we have to remember, like we are clinically dietitians. So for example, I had a client with diabetes. Let's use that. He had a hemoglobin A1C of 9.1, which is very high. This number should be below 6.0. 
And that tells us that his blood sugar is constantly high. And so he came to me being like, I don't even know why I came to you. You're going to tell me don't, to not eat carbs. Like, and I was like, I'm not going to tell you to not eat carbs. And he was like, what? And he was so like astounded that I would say that. And so I'm not saying that everyone has a fucked up relationship with food, but the way that I practice, I want to look at, well, do you have guilt and shame with food? Because often people think that they're hungry all the time or they're addicted to food or they have these intense cravings when really it's just that they're restricting and where restriction is present, binging will always follow. So we're going to first look at, can we heal your relationship with food, neutralize it, where food is just neutral. Then once we do that, we can absolutely use medical nutrition therapy. Again, never coming for intentional weight loss, but for example, for diabetes, there are things that we can do like pair protein, carbs, and fat together at meals, eat more frequently, focus on hydration. Those are three things right there that will improve blood sugar control. But none of that has the intention of shrinking the body. Can the body change unintentionally? Sure. So always come back to what is my relationship with food? If it's not a healthy one, if it's very negative, let's start there because you can get the healthiest meal plan in the world. You're not going to follow it if you have a fucked up relationship with food. Mm -hmm. The issue isn't people are like, I don't know what foods are good for me. Can you tell me? Nobody comes to me saying that, right? So it's, can we first heal the relationship with food and then implement medical nutrition therapy from a place of genuinely wanting to improve the health? Yeah. My last question, and then we're going to do a fun game, okay? kind of like rapid fire. But my last question, so... I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you have, because you're very much in the zeitgeist and TikTok, the trend or like the videos of almond moms. Mm. Do you know what that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So an almond mom, for people who don't know what that is, is basically like a mom who literally eats like an almond and like a like a green juice and is like, I'm stuffed. And a lot of people, especially like people my age, our, your age, mm -hmm. our age, were raised by almond moms or still continued to this day having mm -hmm. moms who like barely eat. And who knows if that's because their moms never ate or what they learned or whatever. Yeah. It's Passover right now. So, for example, mm -hmm. like a lot of people are going to be with their moms. But like, let's say, you know, I don't know when this is going to come out. Let's say there's another holiday coming up yep. or whatever it is. You're going to be around your mom. You're going to be eating meals around this person. How do you set boundaries? How do you mm. like get away from that energy? Yeah, this is so hard. And this is something that we work on with clients. Like, just like you said, with every holiday that approaches, this is what our sessions really turn into is like how to keep yourself safe. So I think it's really important to recognize that our moms are humans too, right? And everybody has their own unique individualized relationship with food. So a lot of work we do with clients is releasing yourself from the responsibility of changing, in this instance, changing your mom's mind about food, right? Because you have to protect your mental energy. So if you find that every time you try to push back on something your mom says about food, that you leave the conversation frustrated and defeated and like, fuck, like, why did I do that? 
it's better to not say anything at all sometimes. And that doesn't mean you're giving up. That doesn't mean you're losing, but you're protecting your mental energy. So boundaries are going to look different for everybody. But like three simple things you could do if you're at a family event, if diet talk comes up or comments, fake phone call always works. Like, oh shit, sorry, I got to take this. And we like get out of the room, just get away from it. If it's Aunt Cheryl or whoever starts spewing about a diet or whatnot, having something teed up and ready to talk about. So maybe it's a like, oh, did you see this pe- picture of my daughter? Like my Frenchie that I took the other day. Like I've been meaning to show you this, like just total redirect of the conversation. Or if it gets to a place where it feels very uncomfortable and unsafe, then maybe it is actually verbally setting a, ba- a boundary of, hey, I'm working to heal my relationship with food and you're allowed to have whatever, you know, diet you want to be on. But I really appreciate it if we just don't talk about our restrictions around food or what diet you're on. Yeah. And hopefully they'll respect that boundary. But, you know, boundaries are meant to keep us safe. They're not comfortable to set as a recovering people pleaser. I have really learned that as well. Yeah. All right. Let's do some rapid fire. So these are going to be like one word answers. So true or false, vegan food is actually worse for you slash more fake ingredients. False. I guess like smash or pass (laughs) wellness trend, lymphatic drainage. Pass. Like want to know why for everything. Ozempic for people who need it. Can I add a disclaimer on this? When you say need like type two diabetes. Yeah. Is this a smash or pass still? Yeah. Okay. Smash if you have type 2 diabetes. Okay. And actually need it. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. Hard pass. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, I don't know, something that you need. Hard pass. Nobody okay. needs it. There's okay. nothing. <laughs> we have food. I know I can't go on a, a spiel, but no. Hard pass. Okay. <laughs> eating less carbs than, or just like eating less carbs. Pass. Mm-hmm. Eggs. Smash. Love me <laughs> some eggs. Acai bowls. Smash. Love them. We have mm-hmm. so many good little acai places in Florida. Smoothies instead of a meal. Oh, I need to like give a disclaimer on this one, but smash if it's a well-balanced smoothie and that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not because you think you're not allowed to eat food. Having dessert every night. Smash if you want it. Mm-hmm. Having like a few courses dinner when you're eating at home, like, or should you have just like one course dinner? Smash, depending on what you want. Mm-hmm. You want. Mm-hmm. Your hunger is that. The medical medium, smash or pass? Oh, hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> IVs. Oh, this is, I like can't do these without saying anything. Smash if you need it for hydration, mm-hmm. like, and you're like very dehydrated. Something that is like a meal plan, but not a diet. Mm. Like, I feel like I can't say this without giving you more smash if it's not for intentional weight loss in a diet and you genuinely need it or want it. Meal prepping. Smash. Okay. Any that I miss that you want to smash or pass? I would just say intentional weight loss. Pass. Yeah. Yeah. You're enough just as you are. I love it. Do you have a quote or piece of advice you could share with our listeners? I feel like I kind of just said it, but like you are enough 
exactly as you are. And until you believe that, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you or says to you, you need to find and really believe that within that you're enough just as you are. Yeah, that's beautiful. Where can everybody find you, follow you and listen to your podcast? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at find.food.freedom or TikTok is just find food freedom, no dots. And then we have the Find Food Freedom podcast. And then I also co-host What the Actual Fork podcast um, with my co-host Jenna. And we do all things anti-diet and we're gonna have you on there as well. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.